Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Stocks continue their pullback from those short-term highs posted in January. And all of a sudden, the herd on Wall Street isn't so bullish. So today, we're taking a technical look at markets. And hey, continue to be patient strategically pick your spots and let the market come to you i'm andy gersher and this is games all right we're going to take a technical look at markets so let's bring on jim welsh macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of san diego Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. Always great to join you, Andy. Thanks for having me. You know, Jim, when we had you on the Gaines Podcast a couple weeks ago, everybody on Wall Street seemed to be turning bullish, saying, we're headed higher, stocks are poised to really move, we've cleared the hurdles. And at the time, we both said, hey, wait a second, hold on. Investors are getting ahead of themselves here. The Fed is not quite done And even from a technical standpoint at the time, markets could still have some additional downside. So let's recap where we've been and what the technical setup is now. Well, one of the keys, which I'm sure we discussed, was back on February 1st, I thought the dollar was putting in a low. Uh, Even as Jay Powell was speaking and Wall Street was interpreting his comments as being dovish, uh, I just think Wall Street has, you know, not heard what Powell and company has been saying for really months and months. And the thought being was that if the dollar rallied and reversed the decline that it had experienced from the October high it made, uh, that that would be a negative and a headwind for markets. Because as we know, stocks, bond yields uh, topped out in in. Uh, 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 October, the stock market hit a low in October, gold made a low. So they've been trading opposite the dollar pretty strongly. And so we have, in fact, seen the dollar rally about 5% since February 1st. I think the S&P is down about 4.6%. Gold's down over 13%. Treasury yields have gone from about 340 on the 10-year to about 395 So knowing the dollar and what it may or may not do is kind of important. Now, My take, I guess, to address your question is that I think the dollar has a little bit more strength coming, and then we're going to see a pullback because some of the decline in the overall markets and what gave the dollar a boost was the January inflation data came in hotter than expected. And I wrote about this in the macro ties that was sent out February 1st, that we were likely to see an uptick in the month-to-month inflation data 
which was obviously going to go against the narrative that Wall Street had. Was, hey, inflation's coming down. The Fed won't have to do so much. So my point being is on March 14th, we'll get the February uh, data on inflation, the CPI. And I, don't, I think it's going to come in more friendly. And that means that Wall Street, which went from not expecting the Fed to raise the, the funds rate over uh, five and now expects them to raise it up to 540, might have swung a little too far. So if things fall into place, Andy, I think there's a little bit more weakness in coming days. Then I think uh, another rally attempt as Wall Street says, oh, wait, inflation is going to come down and do another misread of Fed policy. So the volatility is going to be pretty, I think, high in the next handful of weeks um, as the market responds to, you know, maybe uh, a the job number. Are we going to see 500,000 uh, on March 10th? No. For the month of February, retail sales aren't going to be as strong as they were in January. So a lot of the data points that came in really strong for the month of January, they're all going to take a step back. And I think that allows Wall Street to come up with, oh, great, the Fed isn't going to have to do as much and so forth. And that will allow stocks to rally, Treasury yields to come down a touch. Uh, gold should rebound a little bit as the dollar also pulls back uh, in response to that. But further out, and you're looking at, because <laughs> you and I are looking at the same yeah. charts. And, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of the things that we've talked about, I mean, I'm implementing in in the way I look at charts yep. Longer out, though, bit of a warning, right? That's what I'm seeing, and I'm sure you yeah. are as well. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, the rally that is potentially coming, uh, and this is as long as the S&P holds above about 3760-ish, um, you know, if it takes out 3760, then all bets are off. But if everything falls into place, I think the S&P has another rally that takes it above 4195, which was the high on February 2nd. Um, and it's at the conclusion of that rally, and it could get to 4250. It could even get up as high as 4300. One never knows, you know. Just get the direction right in the short-term move. Once that is over, I'm on the mind that we are going to see a recession kick in in the second half of this year. And to set the table, remember last summer everybody was, oh my God, we're already in a recession because there were two quarters of negative GDP growth. Uh, the Fed's raising rates by 75 basis points a clip, and oh my goodness, you know, the world's coming to an end. And the pendulum has really swung, Andy, A, because the data came in for the third quarter and fourth quarter, showing GDP was positive. Uh, and with the strong numbers we saw in uh, for the month of January, you know, now we've gone from hard landing to soft landing to no landing. In other words, we're not going to have a recession. So for me, it's like the perfect setup. Now that everyone is pretty much far less worried about a recession. I think things like the yield curve, 10 months down in the leading economic indicators, uh, banks have tightened lending standards significantly in the third and fourth quarter of last year, and the year-over-year -year money supply growth is actually negative. But all that stuff kind of takes time to really hit the economy. And, you know, one of the things that's been a true buffer is the savings that uh, consumers have had after the pandemic um, they're whittling that down, but that I think is why the interest rates we've seen to date have not slowed the economy more. But as that savings pool gets whittled down, uh, and as we get towards mid-year and beyond, I think the you know the consumer spending is going to weaken significantly. So all we've done, I think, is delayed um, the, the recession. 
But in the process, it's gotten Wall Street to the point of we don't have to really worry about a recession because look at how well the economy is doing in the face of all these rate increases. So to me, that sets the table for a decline. I think the S&P will track down to the October low near 3,500. And if indeed a recession develops, I think 3,200 becomes a possibility um, because Powell has told us repeatedly the Fed would rather err on the side of not cutting rates too soon and prematurely, uh, but instead hold them at the high level while they wait for the economy to slow enough to bring inflation down. So that means there's this window where we're going to get some negative economic data mid-year and beyond, and the Fed isn't going to budge. And that's where I think the market's going to be most vulnerable. And the Dow theory is currently bearish. And just looking at the chart, I see the same setup as well. As you know, I've been convinced for quite some time now that we're going to go back and retest those lows we put in late last year. And Jim, I'd love to be super bullish and try to make a ton of money here, but there's also a time to be patient. You got to wait the game. You, you know to say in sports, Andy? Go ahead. Let the game come to you. Don't yeah. force it. Yes, and that's exactly it. We've been so used to, you know, having sell-offs and then getting back in the market and just making a ton of money. But let the market come to you. Let the game t- come to you. That's really yep. well said, Jim. There is opportunity here. Like I said, if you've been with us along the way, maybe you've built up some dry powder. Don't deploy a bunch of cash right now into the market. Pick your spots. Yep. The time's coming. But talk about how to navigate all that and kind of play off of what I was just saying. Yeah. Well, again, I, I use a lot of technical indicators uh, in conjunction with fundamental analysis. So the market short-term is getting a little bit oversold, which sets the table for what I described fundamentally, where we're going to get maybe a little better um, uh, CPI information on March 14th. The job number is going to be far less robust than it was uh, for the month of January and so forth, with the market being a little bit oversold. And ideally, I'd like to see the S&P drop below 3,900, uh, closer to 3,850 over, you know, over the next week then I think the market will be oversold and much uh, more capable of mounting that rally above 41.95. When that rally is done, the odds are the market will have shifted from being oversold to overbought. And just in time, I think, for the fundamentals to begin to deteriorate. So if we get that rally, to me, the advice would be is, hey, lighten up, raise some cash going into that. And, and again, I, I can only give broad parameters because obviously none of this has transpired quite yet, but that will be an opportunity to go short. If the S&P gets up to 4,200, 4,250, and the potential is to decline down to 3,500, not just raising cash, but for those who are a little bit more aggressive looking to go short in anticipation of that decline, you know, would really, if, if it uh, develops as expected, that would be a pretty good trade. And then once you get that flush out, uh, where the market finally has to reprice to a recession, earnings are going to get cut, P.E. ratios are going to shrink a little bit, that is the the flood, if you will, that you do want to then become more aggressive and begin to buy in to that weakness. But obviously, as you've noted, you got to have a little cash in order to take advantage of that. And so to me, hopefully this is a roadmap to help people accomplish. What a difference two years makes. I I remember two years ago, I'd make 20 to 30 trades, uh, you know, on some days. And, you know, (laughs) now for months and months, I've made none. 
Yeah. But yeah. at this point, just just wait, plan, yeah. well, marshal your resources, yeah. and then when that situation comes, and we're talking about the setup here, yeah. then I, I don't suggest everybody do this, but right. I back up the truck and bend sure. it all. You know sure. what I'm saying? And that's just kind of how I play, being patient. And sometimes you, there's a there's 20 trades to be made. And then sometimes there's months where you really got to just kind of sit on your hands. But like I said, we will have the setup coming down the road and marshal your resources. Right. And when that opportunity comes, then, like I said, for yep. you know, start dipping in the market for a degenerate like me, back up the truck <laughs> and bet it all. <laughs> Thoughts? Well, the other thing, too, is you're getting rewarded. A year ago right now, Money market funds played maybe five basis points. Now you can find easily four and a half to five percent on treasury bills, money market funds, and so forth. So, you know, there is a, a reward for that patience that did not exist a year ago. And that, that's, that's a one great of the point. Competitions. Well, that, that's one of the yeah. competitions the market's facing. Yeah. Andy. When rates were zero, no competition. At four and a half, five percent, and if the Fed continues to raise rates as I think they will above five percent, that reward is going to, you know, even be a stiffer uh, hurdle for the stock market to, uh, you know, be able to jump over. And I just think, in the face of a potential decent slowdown, if not recession, that is going to be what's going to be problematic. Yeah, and it's nice for those who are building the dry powder. Uh, you know, just kind of sitting and and building our resources so that we can deploy cash when ready to move. Uh, at least you're getting a little something for uh, not being in the market and, yep. you know, having it uh, even uh, setting aside in, in, as simple as a, a CD or a money market or some kind of cash account where that was just non-existent before. Yep. The world has changed and it's important to try to change with it. Um, and as you know, and I've talked, I, I believe that most investors, unfortunately, you know, are told just to buy and hold. And for the most part, especially during secular bull markets where you just keep hitting higher highs, yeah, you get a pullback, but then the market immediately, you know, ramps up to a higher high. You know, buying and holding works, but you have to kind of know the environment you're in. And I think the environment is far more hostile. I think it's going to remain somewhat more hostile, not just for the next you know, call it six to nine months. But I think there's years of difficulties that are coming. And so all I would just tell people is you need to develop the skill where you take a portion of your portfolio, whether it's 20%, whatever number you're comfortable with, and do a little bit more trading around the swings that the market creates. And one of the reasons you have to do that is, or learn how to do that, is going against the grain. So in late January, everybody was so bullish uh, because the, oh, the market had just started a new year off with such a big game and the Fed was going to be doing this and that. And those are the times when you need to take you know, money off the table. And conversely, last October, when the market was in the tank and was deeply oversold, those are the times where you kind of have to close your eyes a little bit and put some money to work. But my point is that you need to take a portion of your portfolio, you know, keep most of it buy and hold, but take a portion of it and attempt to learn how to do tactical trading where you're making a handful of trades every year to take care of the big swings that take place. 
And I think if people who do that are going to be rewarded, there's a learning curve. You'll make some mistakes. Um, but I think over the long haul, the, the skill set that one develops after doing that for three to five years, long haul, that will really, I think, pay dividends for, for you know, quite some time. It's really good to be a contrarian. I love when you know all the lemmings are going one area or one way, and I'm navigating the other way. <laughs> it's like being tactical. We've talked about this before, yeah. like being a boxer, bobbing and weaving like Floyd Mayweather. Being tactical, pick your spots, learn how to play some of these macro moves that happen even among a a, a broader market, and then use them to. Uh, give you the ability to make more money. So you love that. Hey, we're going to, Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. If that's an option for you. And as always subscribe and turn on those notifications. So, you know, when a new gains episode drops, we drop gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Jim Welsh after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego, California. Jim, you always give a little love to the Gaines <laughs> listener. So yep. tell them how to get that love. Uh, well, uh, I will send you, as a faithful listener to the Gaines podcast, uh, the March issue of the Macro Tides. Uh, it's a monthly report. I review a lot of the economic fundamentals as well as some of the technical aspects of the market. Uh, just send me an email to jimwelshmacro at gmail, and I'll send that out. That should be uh, going out to subscribers tomorrow. Andy, and you know, as we were talking before the break, people need to develop the skill set of inter- uh, you know, if you will, intersecting the idea of, gee, I read the newspaper, I read about, you know, retail sales and unemployment and so forth, but also trying to learn a little bit about technical analysis and then how you put those together. Um, I like doing, if you will, explaining that kind of stuff. And I think those who uh, take up on the offer of looking at the macro, uh, the March macro tides, you'll get a taste for the skill set that you need. I've been doing this 40 years, and I've learned a lot from my mistakes, which is the nature of the beast. 
Um, but I'd like to say that I bring forth a lot of uh, good information and analysis uh, to help people step up their game. And hopefully uh, some of those mistakes that you made along the way, <laughs> you can save others from making yeah. them. No, I mean, again, um, and Wall Street is not your fa- friend. I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry to say because they're always going to say buy and hold, buy and hold. Coming into last year, 2022, Wall Street was expecting the Fed to raise the funds rate 75 basis points, only three increases for the whole year. Turned out the Fed went about 425 basis points and raised the funds rate seven times. So my point is sometimes having independent analysis that isn't on the, the you know coming from Wall Street can be really pretty helpful because one of the risks that I really observed uh, in the summer of 2021 when Jay Powell started to say, well, inflation is going to be transitory. If you're on one of the Wall Street firms, to disagree with the chairman of the Federal Reserve is a career risk, because if you're wrong, you may very well, seriously, be out of job. So it's almost better to agree with Jay Powell. Yep, inflation is going to be transitory, because if you're wrong, you're going to have a lot of company on Wall Street because everyone else is going to be doing the same darn thing. Herd and mentality. Have- I mean, you want yep. to talk about herd mentality on Wall Street, a big thing. And yep. and that and you're just speaking on why being a contrarian is such a good thing. Continue. Yep. Yeah. And so the only way one can kind of divorce yourself from uh, just taking hook, line and sinker, whatever Wall Street is saying is to become a little bit more objective and critical. And as you know, the contrary opinion, really, it's hard because one has to separate oneself from the crowd. And as humans, we all like company. And when you're reading in the newspaper, well, this is good and this is good and this is good, it's just really easy to fall into line. Wall Street loves to tell you that markets discount the future. They're looking through whatever is about to happen and telling you what is coming. And the problem, Andy, as you well know, is that's just a bunch of malarkey. Uh, And in the month of March, I guess that's the appropriate word. Because in January of 2022, the S&P made a new all-time high on January 4th. What was it telling Wall Street that the Fed was going to be raising interest rates seven times or that inflation was going to be a problem? No, Wall Street interpreted the new all-time high as being, hey, everything is rosy and good. And so last October, when the market was down 20 plus percent and the NASDAQ was down 30 percent, they're all talking about a recession and so forth. Uh, So one has to develop independent thinking if you if you really want to stay in this for the long haul. Um, And it's not easy and it does take time. But I think anyone who invests the time in your own knowledge will be amply rewarded over time and have the great satisfaction for having outsmarted Wall Street. (laughs) So (laughs) there's a bonus in that one. Jim, what do you think is the top thing that people, especially when they're looking at markets from this lens, get wrong? Um, Well, again, the herd mentality is a huge aspect of it um, because what we saw on Wall Street the last year uh, you know, people have been around 25, 30 years, a lot of experience, very knowledgeable, no question about it. But all of a sudden, here comes inflation reaching a 40-year high, and the Federal Reserve is then forced to adopt monetary policy uh, that addresses that, 
but it's something, you know, anyone who's been around 25, 30 years has never really uh, experienced directly or understood. And I think that was one of the reasons why Wall Street stayed relatively bullish throughout last year, because they kept thinking the Fed was about to cave in or stop raising rates and so forth. And that simply just wasn't going to happen. Um, so, uh, I, again, all I can tell you, Andy, by using technical analysis as well, and it's just, you know, you get a book or two, you learn some of the basics, like when prices make higher highs and higher lows, gee, that's an uptrend. That's not, that's not rocket science at all. And conversely, what we saw in 2022 is the S&P kept making a low, rebounding to a lower high, then dropping to a lower low. And as long as that pattern's intact, the market's in a downtrend. So some of those just very simple ideas, Andy, can help tremendously uh, for those who, you know, gee, technical analysis sounds like voodoo or something. Or, you know, it isn't as complicated as maybe you might think. Um, but it's that so important because it keeps you honest relative to what people are expecting the economy to do uh, and so forth. And, Jim, you and I both know being a contrarian can be a very good thing, and it's often foolish to follow the herd on Wall Street. You know, as I said, in January of last year, I didn't hear anybody on Wall Street saying, you know, the S&P just made a new all-time high, and it's telling me that inflation is going to go crazy and the Fed's going to go nuts and the market's down 20%. No. But what I have heard in the last week, and especially as we are going through January, is the rally in the stock market is telling me that the economy is going to be fine, inflation's coming down, the Fed's got this covered, we're good to go. So what I find is people are very selective when they start to say that the market is telling us such and such. Um, it, well, I will make this comment, which may surprise some people. At every top and bottom, the market is always wrong. And the reason is, at a top, the majority of investors are bullish and optimistic. And at the bottom, they're downtrodden because they've just gone through a very bad decline that's eroded a big part of their, uh, their investment. And so they just think market's just going to keep going down. So at those tops and bottoms, it tells us nothing about what's about to happen next. And that's why I, I again, uh, developing, as you noted, contrary opinion can be very helpful it's just like, you know, people talk about having the hair on, the, on their neck stand up when something happens. And the, the, to me, the metaphor then is when you read the newspaper and everything is good and everything is good, it's time for the hair on the back of your neck to, to kind of go up and start looking for what could go wrong. And that is a skill set that most people never, ever um, try to develop. It never occurs to them to develop. If everything's uh, perfect, you're at the top, generally speaking, well, anyway, right? Well, though, I mean, that's the point, though. You can, you know, my point is you review and you analyze and you question and you challenge if the market's been going up and going up and going up and everybody has a reason why it's been going up. It's time to pull back and say, okay, what could go wrong? What could change? And, you know, the conclusion may be, no, everything still looks pretty good, you know. But my point, having that discipline to question uh, when everybody's bullish or when everyone is bearish, to have that skill and discipline to ask what could stop going wrong, what could start maybe happening better. And um, that's, to me, that's invaluable to just do that uh, at extremes. Um, you know, here's another one that's kind of interesting. In 1982, 
the average company made a buck, and the S&P sold at eight, that stock would have sold at $8 a share. By 2000, it was over $30. But they're still only earning a dollar. Wow. But the psychology of the market had changed so significantly that people were willing to pay 30 times that $1 in earning. But after 16 years of a secular bear market in 1982, they only would pay $8. Oh, yeah, so it, it re, kind of recalibrated as the market went down. And a lot exactly. of it's just, you know, a lot of the market is is not even fundamentals. It's all about investors' forward expectations. Yep, yep. And, and the assumption that Wall Street preaches is, you know, I, again, people look forward. Tr- everyone's trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So it's not like markets don't look forward. They do look forward. The problem I have with Wall Street is Wall Street makes the assumption that as markets look forward, that they have 2020 uh, sight, that they're always going to get it right. And my point is, in January of 2022, markets were looking forward. They were very optimistic. They were completely wrong. Last October, Markets were looking forward, and they thought, oh, my God, earnings are going to be bad, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the S&P rallies 15%. So, again, that is a, you know, it's like an adage on Wall Street that everyone believes in, and yet it's just outright wrong. I'm amazed every day, Andy, when I listen to CNBC and other financial outlets, and I hear literally every day someone saying that the market's a discounting mechanism, the market is telling me, this is what the bond market is saying. Remember, you know, yields last October were at highs. And all of a sudden, again, I wrote that we were going to see inflation come down significantly in the next six months, which was going to lay the groundwork for yields to come down. With that, you made an excellent point. If that was the case, then why does the market get it wrong at every top and every bottom? It's just human nature. I mean, we all move in crowds. There's comfort in, in being in a group as opposed to uh, separating from the crowd. Uh, and it's really hard to do. That's why it's contrarians rule. I, I, yeah. And, 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 and you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I am a contrarian you know, almost all aspects of life. I'm telling you, if if you zig when everybody else in the world zags, it almost always puts you in a position of strength and yeah. opportunity. Because you're, you're not likely to get blindsided. Exactly. Uh, so, again, right now Wall Street has adopted this view that there isn't going to be a recession this year or the likelihood one is diminished very significantly. Because the labor market was so strong in January and retail sales and so forth. So, again, I know what's coming. There is a pronounced slowdown coming based on what's happened with monetary policy. It's just being delayed because people had so much savings. But if I'm right and that shows up, Wall Street is going to be surprised and we're going to see a market decline. Now it's just a question of waiting for the technicals to kind of really set it up so like, okay, now it's really ready to drop. I don't think we're there quite yet. Um, I, I think there's another curveball coming where Wall Street's going to want to believe that a lower job number and a little bit improvement on inflation is going to stay the Fed. You know, right now, Andy, people are talking about the Fed going 50 basis points at the March 22nd meeting. All right. I don't think the Fed's going to do that. Uh, in part because they've said they wanted to avoid the mistakes of the 1970s. 
where they raised rates too aggressively, caused a recession, then forced them to kind of reverse course and cut rates. And the net result, they never really squeezed inflation out, and they kept becoming a bigger and bigger problem as the 1970s unfolded. So to me, the Fed has said, we want to get the funds rate up to its modestly restrictive and then leave it there. And I, I just think the odds are they're going to continue with the 25 basis points hikes. And on top of it, if I'm right about inflation uh, coming out on March 14th, the week before the meeting, coming in a little lighter, job growth dropping from 500,000 closer to 200,000, maybe a touch less. You know, all of a sudden we're going to hear Wall Street, oh, maybe the Fed doesn't have to go 50 basis points. What is the equity market going to do if that unfolds? It's going to rally. It's, the setup is there. So I just it's kind of like a hunter. A hunter knows the game it's hunting and the habits of that game extremely well. So all I try to do is study Wall Street and their habits. And most of the analysis is, that is done is extraordinarily superficial. And so right now, They've shifted from, oh, my God, a recession to no recession. Oh, gee, the Fed's going to have to become more aggressive because the economy is so strong. And if we get some data points in that are a little softer, oh, wait, maybe the Fed doesn't have to go 50. And what's going to happen? Dollar's going to pull back a little bit. Stocks are going to rally. Treasury yields are going to come down. Um, and it, that's what's shaping up. And at the end of that is when I think, the market is going to be really vulnerable. So it's kind of, like I said, the only way to do this that I've learned, and it's taken me a long time, is to detach myself and just watch what the street is saying and then looking for data points that are either going to support that supposition and then more importantly, when the data points are going to come in and disagree. And when they disagree, that's when you get surprises that at least Wall Street's surprised but it provides the opportunity for somebody who's paying attention to, A, avoid getting run over or take advantage of uh, the surprise that Wall Street has just encountered. You know, my takeaway, Jim, uh, from our conversation, be patient, marshal your resources, and let the market come to you. What's your takeaway yeah. from uh, today's combo? That's it. I mean, sometimes people just feel like they have to force the issue. Um, the main thing I, I'd like to urge is just become a little bit more proactive, um, learn as much as you can. I think the Gaines podcast can be helpful uh, that Andy does to uh, hopefully spark your interest to, to make the effort and investment because longer term, I mean, people work hard for their money and it never occurs to them to make their money work hard for them. But the only way that can happen is not just buying and holding and just letting it sit there is becoming more knowledgeable, more involved. It takes time. But, you know, if you start now, three, five, ten years from now, you're going to be way more knowledgeable. And I think you'll wind up making far fewer mistakes. And when you get to retirement, you're going to have enough money to retire. So that's that's the end line. Big thanks to Jim Welch, macro strategist and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com out of San Diego. And hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, would totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly 